Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast Q&A Sessions, where we answer your questions. How are you doing today, Chuck? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to answer some of our listener questions as well as some of our listeners. And yes, Hi, thank we're you. We're doing live today. We're in the They're live here. studio audience today. That's fantastic. We've got a live studio audience and they are ready to hear us spin our wisdom. Yeah, well, I want to know, (laughs) do you have any laughter on there? So when I say something, will they laugh at me? That's what I want to know. Okay, great. Okay, good. Yeah, it's actually uh, not a recorded soundtrack that I have found the buttons to push. There's actual people laughing. Yeah, sure. Uh All right. All right. All right. So you're ready for your first question, Chuck? Yeah, let's let's uh let's dig into this. All right. So, first question. I left my former employer on in, in June. They obviously never turned me in their system and ended up paying me wages on this payroll that I'm not entitled to. I contacted the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer on Wednesday when I noticed and he replied that he would get back to me and he hasn't. Does anyone have any suggestions on what I can do? or help me compose a message. I'm really freaking out. They also sent me a cease and desist letter that the week prior because they claim I was soliciting employees to leave the company and I was not. Wow, there's a couple of things in there, Chuck. Well, let's start with the pay first. What happens from both sides when you're an employee and you get paid a paycheck that you shouldn't get? And as an employer, what should you do in those cases? Sure. So I've had this happen to me, uh, running payroll, uh, both running payroll and both as an HR person supporting the payroll. And they did this. I see it happen a lot with salaried employees that are paid every two weeks and you forget to cut off salaried employees and the pay goes out. I have rarely, if ever, been able to recapture that money. Uh, legally, uh, we could have, we've, we would send letters. Sometimes the employees would pay it back. Sometimes they wouldn't, but here's the deal. I would advise this just to kind of keep this within our, our, our scope of the question. I would advise, uh, the company of the error. I would do it in writing as stated, uh, uh, in, in there, uh, that they've notified the CFO. And I would do that to protect you as the former employee, then I would do nothing. Yeah, I would just, you know, maybe put the money in a savings account in case they ever ask for it. You know, it's up to them to do a reverse ACH if it's a direct deposit, but they cannot do it without your permission, number one. And number two, this is over a month old now since this happened. It is a, they can't, banks won't let them do a reverse uh, direct deposit. So they're beyond the, the time limit. So my guess is they're going to send you a letter. You have every right to demand that they revise the last pay stub to ensure that taxes are done correctly. So it's not just a matter of you sending them back the, the money because they've got to recalculate taxes. So your W-2 is correct. But for now, you've done everything you can do. So sit back, relax. Maybe they'll let you Keep the money, and it's maybe more of a hassle for them to figure it out. I might. Yeah, on top of that, I may send a certified letter explaining, like, 
basically what this question says, hi, um, you know, on this date, I received a payment that I was not due. Um, I reached out to the CFO. I reached out to so-and-so, the CFO of the company, blah, blah, blah. Um, please give me, you know, what to do. That way you have that email and you have it registered that they got it, right? And so now, mm -hmm. not the email, but the, the letter that they got it. Um, so you know that it's been given to them. And then I would just kind of like Chuck said, I kind of like just kind of let it wait and see um, yeah. and see what happens. I, I mean, again, right, it just becomes a problem all around that you don't want to deal with. Um, what would you do as a, the employer, Chuck? What would you do if that happened? You saw that or how did you handle it? I guess you, you had that. I would. Happen. Yeah, I would send a, a letter, a nice letter. Um, I would send a, uh, a a request to say hello. This happened. Can we uh, reverse? You know the the payroll. Can you pay us back? Can you send us a check in this amount? We will reissue you a new pay stub. Uh, and then I might do a, a demand letter. I might go ahead and have a lawyer write it. Maybe try and scare the employee. But I got to tell you, depending on how much it it was for you're not, there's a good chance you're not, they're not going to, I mean, as an employer, I don't expect that that, that that former employee is ever going to pay back that money. And unless I want to take them to court and spend more money than yeah. what I have paid them, it's not going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, right. If I'm the employer, uh, I'm going to address it with whoever's doing my HR, right? There's going to be a little conversation happening going, Hey, who's handling my payroll? Why did this happen? To make sure it doesn't happen again on there as well. Yeah, and the cease and desist letter, John, uh, unless there's some sort of state or local regulation, unless there's some sort of contract, uh, that's really just a scare tactic. I've been involved with ownerships that have asked me to send a letter to a former employee, stop, you know, and that employee basically said, whatever. And there's not there's there's no teeth to that, but it is a scare tactic usually. Yeah, yeah, and I mean again, right? I mean, what what are they going to do? I mean, you leave a company that you can't. Is there something in the policy that says you can't talk to old employees? I think you're. They don't have much legal standing on that. There. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So. What's let let me throw out the second question to you, John? Can I? Okay. Can I? Okay. Yeah. How? You're, you're, yeah. So this. I'm I'm good to ask a question. So yeah. this is a listener question, uh, and some of these are from our team at uh, of one community on HR uh, on Facebook. So how are you currently handling exit interviews, surveys, one on ones, etc.? Do you do something with that data? So what do you think about exit interviews, surveys, one on ones? What what's a best practice there, John? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because when I talk to a lot of people like, oh, we don't do exit interviews. Um, and I think that's probably as an overarching thing is probably a mistake not to do exit interviews. Let's let's clarify what an exit interview is. An extra exit interview is your employee has left the company, right? Your employee has left the company, whether they resigned, whether they've been fired, whatever. And after they've done the exit, after they've left, you do an interview, a series of questions with them to find out why they left. This data can be really important when we're thinking about retention and 
uh, rates and turnover costs and all of that thing to find out why your employees are leaving becomes really important. Uh, yeah. We typically did them, and I would love to hear how you guys did them, Chuck. We typically did them one-on-one. Um, sometimes we would have a third party do them. That is probably best practices, but that's a cost, right? But typically we would have the HR person follow up about a week after they left. Um, and I will say, typically it was the people that resigned and not the people that got fired, right? And so the people that resigned and we would ask them just a couple of questions, like, why did you leave? Um, what started you looking for your job? You know, those kind of questions to kind of get in there. But Chuck, did you, in your history, did you do surveys? Did you do one-on-ones? How did you handle exit interviews? I'm assuming you did them. Yeah, sure. So it was a one-person HR department. A lot of times it was difficult to keep up on that. So I would do it only for employees that resigned. And I would only do it if there was, for example, sometimes employees' performance was going downhill for, I, I don't know, maybe someone was on a performance plan, they resign. I'd be like, okay. But if it was mysterious, we started having several employees from a department resign and we didn't know why or they were going, I would then jump in and try and do spot exit interviews and one-on-ones. But I've not, I've seen larger companies send out surveys and mailings. And in the past, we did something where we sent out, if you respond, we'll send you a, uh, like a, a, a gift card for movies and movie tickets and right. things like that. I'll have to tell you, rarely got any responses on any yeah. of those exit interview surveys. So it's always yeah. best one-on-one. Yeah, I definitely think it is there and putting that in there. I will say there's something that we've really been using that I think is much more powerful, Chuck, and that is the stay interview. Now, Chuck, I'm yes. sure you've heard the term stay interview, right? I love that. I love the yeah. stay interview concept. And so stay interview concept is this. Instead of waiting till your employees leave the company, interview them and ask them why they're staying with your company. You know, what, what, right. why are they staying with your company? Um, and the people like, I don't, you don't need to do everybody in the company. Pick those people that have been loyal to your company, have some tenure with your company and that are high performers and find out why they're staying. Have they thought about leaving? What made them think about leaving, right? Because you want to make these individuals happy because we know the cost of turnover is high, right? And so yeah. we want to be paying attention. We want to make sure that we're doing that. Um, on there as well. And so I uh, put together a book, Chuck. It's really more of a workbook than anything for stay interviews. Um, mm -hmm. And so we'll put that link in. We'll have Sam put that link into the show notes. But what it is, is really a list of questions that you can ask and the proper procedures that individuals should follow um, to do stay interviews. Well, what, who should you pick? How should you pick them? When should you do them? That kind of things. All of that's in that uh, segment. But I really think stay interviews because you really helps you turn over. And typically what we find is we collect all this data from both the exit interviews and the stay interviews. And now we can look at that data and we can make decisions on our benefits packages, on the things that are keeping employees here we can spend more time and focus on those. And then maybe there are things that the employees really doesn't keep them here. It's not any value to them. Maybe we can stop doing those things. And I, I'm always yeah. surprised when we do this with our clients, Chuck, how many clients are like, oh, 
we've been spending all this time on this when they want this. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah. wow, yeah. now I can shift the time and really does help build that great place to work. And so good, that's a great question. I'm glad they, they asked it today. Yeah. What's our final question of the day? All right, here it is. Um, and so this is a little more complicated. So the question's a little bit longer. So this is a question for those of you who handle safety and or are part of your company's safety committee. So typically safety falls under, there could be a safety team, but could also fall mm -hmm. under human resources. So they're asking questions like, how do you handle taking attendance for fire drill nowadays? Pre-COVID, most of your employees worked in the office. Now we have some hybrid employees. We sometimes have out-of-state employees visiting. Some managers are traveling, et cetera. We have key fobs for entry to the building, but we don't track exiting. I'm not sure the best way to know who needs to be accounted for at any given point. This came up as we're revamping our safety process. We have, we have only 65 employees, but they're in a large building with three floors and a large warehouse. So I guess the question is, when you're doing a fire drill, there's a couple things. When you're doing the fire drill, how do you account, Chuck, for all your employees if you know they're out of the building? What's the process yeah. there to do that? Sure. So um, there, the OSHA requirement for fire drills is there's not a specific one, but if you do have that as part of your plan, okay, and you do fire drills, uh, the the best practice is to have a muster point. So there's no, let me just step back real quick. There's no specific regulation or guidance saying you need to take attendance to make sure you need that all employees have made it out of the building. However, it is expected that that companies will know this information. There are different ways. Uh, number one, you would do it by the uh, having a, a central muster point, as they call it. Okay, you would do it by having your supervisors and managers know who is there, who is working that day. So as the muster point comes down. Every, maybe there are uh, schedules. Maybe there are there are building logs. At least you can s start with that and say who was in the building, and and go go down go down that list. But that's really the only. It's, there's still some manual work that's going to have to be done. Have a central muster station where everyone goes to. Have managers and supervisors either working off a schedule, maybe a log of of entry into the building. But there should be as part of your fire drills, a part of a process. Fire alarm goes off. Uh, what's who has responsibility for doing certain things? Yeah, I think that's great. I, I remember I worked in a big corporation and we had numerous mustard stations uh, that muster, mustard, 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 yeah. yellow stations. mustard stations. Yeah, um, a mustard <laughs> station. Um, and we would have to go, right? And sometimes because when I was, so it was a broadcasting facility, right? And so when I was working in what we called office land, um, and so when I worked, when my office was in office land, I would be down in the studio and the fire alarm would go off or whatever, and we'd be asked to exit. I would have to go to the nearest exit and then walk all the way around to the building to get by to my mustard station. Um, but you had to be there, right? Because they wanted to know who was there. I think that's a great start. 
I don't know if you can ever capture everybody out there, um, but it's really asking everybody, like especially when they're all grouped together. All right, all the warehouse. Is everybody here? Do you guys, is there anybody that you saw that's missing? Um, right, having those conversations because somebody will be like, "Oh, I saw Chuck. Um, he was just heading up to the second floor. I don't see him around." Right, and so then you can be like, "Okay, th these are the." So when let's say it's a real fire, the the fire chief, whoever the person on there, will ask, "Is everyone out of the building?" You could say, "We've accounted for." 66 or 60 people, these three we think are in the warehouse, these two are on the, th the second floor was the last time they've been seen. That gives them, okay, we need to go in there, we need to look around and see what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And John, I just want to emphasize that if there is a real fire or something, the first thing OSHA is going to want to see are your uh, pr procedures and your training records. And yeah. while it may not be perfect for you to have some sort of uh, magic list to say who's in and out of the building. And with technology, there there are probably some other ideas we've not thought of. But for the most part, as long as you train people what to do, where to go, you train department heads to know to look for their people, you train employees to know who was working in their area. Uh, but that is the requirement. Managers should be aware. Yeah, and I know uh, at some companies you have the key fobs or the cards you slide when you go into the building. Um, ours, the one company I worked with, would automatically, as you go back out exit, uh, would know. But if you go out through an emergency exit, that would not have counted for that. But yeah. so kind of a couple of things in there. Yeah, so that's good to know that OSHA, I mean, obviously, obviously OSHA is going to make sure everyone's all right. But then they're going to be like, all right, we need to see your records. And when did you do training? When did you do... All that information, Absolutely. so good, good point to do that, right? So, all right, those are our three questions today. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where there is a lesson in every question. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast. The material presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Chuck and John always recommend using an employment lawyer or HR consultant to handle any legal concerns or HR issues. We do our best to double check sources and make sure the information we are providing is accurate. We may eliminate or embellish without changing the basic narrative to make the story easier to understand. In certain circumstances, we may change identifying information to protect the innocent. The HR Stories broadcast is brought to you by the team at HR Stories. The team at HR Stories is designed to help anyone with HR responsibilities be better at managing the employee experience. To engage with us, Go to the hrstoriesteam.com and learn more about how the team at HR Stories can support your business or nonprofit. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where there is a lesson in every story. <laughs>